0: your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore.
1: Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to DipsyStories.com slash Just Break Up.
0: That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A Stories.com slash Just Break DipsyStories.com slash Just
2: Welcome to Just Break Up, the Patreon edition. My name is Sierra DeMulder.
1: And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week we're going to tackle topics like... Attachment styles. Attachment styles. (laughs) That's not usually what I say, so then I was laughing at myself.
2: Oh, that's funny. Um, Well, this is actually an an unusual Patreon episode. This week, um, it's the week of Labor Day, and on our primary episodes, we took the week off because we've been really busy... Um, putting together some new awesome content for you all. Um, but we decided because we took the week off from the primary that we would release this Patreon episode, um, on the main feed so that all of y'all who do not already support us on Patreon could get a taste of what you could get for just $5 a month or $5 once. (laughs) You know, if you just want to like sign up and then binge them all and then cancel it, that's fine too.
1: (laughs) We don't, we don't technically endorse that, but, um, I do. <laughs> you could do it if you wanted to. I have to. lower standards,
2: so, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so if you're all, if, if you're not a normal Patreon listener, um, you can slide over to patreon.com slash just break up pod to find out about all of the tiers and rewards. Um, and that if you choose to subscribe to support us on this platform, um, it, Directly contributes to the success and sustainability of our podcast, um, especially now that we are in the open market of the podcast. Especially now that we are free agents again, you know, mm-hmm, we're back to mm-hmm. we're back to swinging is what I'm trying to say.
1: <laughs> that's right. We're polyamorous with our platforms. Yes. So yeah. we are in <laughs> multiple relationships at the same time. Exactly.
2: Exactly. Um, I'm sure that's gonna not make sense or offend someone out there. (laughs) So we're sorry in advance. We're not qualified or (laughs) professionals and we love all of you and all of your sexual and amorous identities. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so we're going to answer a question from one of our fantastic soulmates uh, this week um, who subscribed to support us on Patreon for $50 to get their letter answered. But first um, we're going to actually check in about some of our favorite blind dates, Over the years, you know, we shout out something once a week for the past three weeks, and obviously you guys know that they vary anywhere from like relationship or self-help books all the way to like bubble baths and going outside (laughs) if you're an OG listener. (laughs) Uh I remember one time we were recording and I was like hungover and like going for a walk had like changed my life that day. So I was like, my blind date (laughs) is going outside.
1: yes that's right yep
2: um but Peter,
1: I, um, still makes fun of that one so yeah.
2: good good I deserve it um
1: he's like what was Sierra's blind date this week going outside
2: I'm gonna text him fuck you as soon as we're done with this
1: um you should you should
2: but um so we wanted to review just three each of some of our favorite blind dates things that we still you know stand by or by. St- or stan sam can you explain this young person thing to me what does it mean when you stan something
1: it means you're like a super fan and what is this the, is my understanding of what it, is I could the be totally origin wrong. of
2: that word like where did it come from
1: i have no idea Ugh. or ship shipping is from fan fiction and like tumblr really like where you like want people to be in a relationship oh i ship this so ship them Mm-hmm. Oh my
2: gosh. cute. Learning new things every day. Yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. uh, do you want to go first <laughs> with one of your favorite blind dates of all time of all history?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So this is a book called a practical wedding, creative ideas for planning a beautiful, affordable and meaningful celebration by Meg Keane. Yeah. I'm holding it up to the camera so that people who are $10 subscribers can see it. Yep. Um, People ask about this book all the time. We've so talked about DMs. it multiple times. It is um whenever I know someone who I'm close to who is getting married, I buy this book for them because yeah. it was life-changing yes. and like changed the entire trajectory of our wedding. Yes. Um and what's great about it is that it basically is like the wedding as we know, it is a modern construct. Yeah. It exists in this particular way for particular reasons, and it doesn't have to exist in this way. You can make it however you yeah. want to make it, and like offers tools for you to talk to your partner about like what your relationship is going to look like in the future, what your marriage yeah. is going to look like, as well as like what what does your wedding look like? Like it's what does like it literally come you? up with a mission mm-hmm. statement for your wedding, yeah. And like what are the what are the goes and no goes for you? And then it's like offers a bajillion different examples yeah. of like this person had a brunch and invited 12 people and and it's just like wow it doesn't have to look like it does in lifetime movies it can look like however I want it to yes. and, so,
2: and it can mean whatever it. you want it's a want. great book. Yes. We get so many for DMs sure. about this book and I think I totally stole your move. Like you sent this to me as soon as Willow and I got engaged and I did the same things mm-hmm. for a couple friends of mine this year. Um, a couple of my friends this year, and um, it's such a nice congratulatory move that also lessens anxiety. (laughs) You know, it's not just like, oh my God, congrats, like when's the wedding? Can we come? How many people? It's like- here, I love you. Here's this resource that helps you do this big, mm-hmm. scary, li- scary life step. Um, and as I mean, I'm, I think you'll agree, but like a lot of wedding planning resources are really heteronormative. Um, and this book did mm-hmm. the best that it could to be really inclusive. Yeah. Um, I think that the wedding industry sure. itself tends to skew heteronormative. Um
1: uh-huh.
0: So it
2: wasn't it wasn't perfect, but it wasn't like offensive. It tried really hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sure. I, I love the book. I endorse it 100 um, percent. But I really appreciated that aspect of it particularly.
1: Yeah. And the great thing about the book is that the first chapter is like stop. Oh, my God. And celebrate. First chapter made me cry. What just try. happened.
2: <laughs> first chapter made Willow and I <laughs> cry like within so like the great. first two like, pages.
1: <laughs> right. Because it's like the first question you're going to get after you get engaged is when are you when's the date? And it's yeah. like, no, no.
2: This is a magical time. You just time. need to pause. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. You're engaged. This is so exciting, which I absolutely loved.
2: Yeah. Um, okay. So excellent resource. Uh, my one of my favorite blind dates of the past billion years, um, and I've sh- I have nope not shipped this. I have. Stant. I must never mind. I'm not.
0: You're-
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've been a huge fan of this resource forever, and I've started it out like a thousand times. But it's the podcast. Affirmation pod by Josie Ong, O-N-G, her last name. Um, And Josie and I have become friends through my love of her podcast, but also having a podcast myself. She has been a big supporter Uh of Just Breakup. Um, And the podcast itself I love because um, not only is it like bite-sized affirmations, like kind of like what we do at the end of our show, you know, the episodes are anywhere between six and 15 minutes long. They're topic. Um, you know, they're topical, like, uh, dealing with a breakup or, um, starting a hard day over waking up with a good mm-hmm. attitude, forgiveness, you know, like there's all these very specific topics. She even gets into like, you know, healing from, um, childhood abuse, um, Getting over body images, having a hard day, feeling underappreciated at work, right? Like so, it's all these very. There's hundreds of episodes, but lots of specific topics, which I really appreciate. Um, and it's written really beautifully. But not only all of that, but Josie has like a a beautiful voice, very calming. I love the way she talks to her listeners. She's very down to earth, um, and I have gotten you know. Uh, I credit this when we use it on the show, but as a reminder, the well metaphor that I use when I say like, you've been working so hard at this relationship, you're digging that well, looking for water, but there's fresh air above ground. You know, there are new relationships that don't make you work so hard. That metaphor I got from listening from an episode. So um, she just, I think that one of the best tools that I can promote for self growth is finding common language, finding words to describe your experience or your pain or whatever it is. And Josie's podcast, not only like centers me and comforts me, but it gives me this shared language to talk about the complex human experience. So huge fan, been a fan, gonna stay a fan. Check it out. The affirmation pod.
1: Awesome. Um, Okay, so my next one is Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents, yeah. How to Heal from Distant Rejecting or Self-Involved Parents by Lindsay C. Gibson. Um, and this book was recommended to me by our friend Heather, who has been on this podcast before. Um, but basically, it's an amazing book that like helps folks who have parents who were unable to show up for them in an emotionally connected way and how you deal with that as yeah. an adult who now has to like deal with the fact that you either have a relationship with your parents or you don't. But like, how do you process through that now that you are old enough to practice some self-awareness around how you're going to behave and how your parents' behavior towards you was not and is not super helpful or appropriate. Right. Um, And it's been super helpful for me um, and helpful for other people I know who have read this book um, because it doesn't give you ways to change how your parents behave, but instead helps you figure out how to respond to your parents' way of doing things and offers you like a, an empathetic way to see how they experience the world and why they might be doing the things that they're doing. And I love it because it's helpful for me thinking about my dad and his mental health stuff and, um, It's also like really helpful for me as I think about relationships with people in general and not just parents. Right. Right. Like parents are where we learn a lot of our behaviors and our patterns from. But um, it also helps me when I'm like working with a coworker who is like super emotionally different than I am or like who is going through something and like taking it out on me. It's like there are tools here. I can't change this person's behavior necessarily, but I can change how I respond to that and the access that I give them to me and the boundaries that I have in place with them. Um, and really helps come up with tools to be like, yeah. I understand, I have empathy for where you're coming from and I see you. And also I recognize that I can't be around you yeah. when you're like this, yeah, right? Totally. Which is really super helpful tools. So I always recommend it. Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents by Lindsay C. Gibson.
2: Yeah. And we not only um, get a lot of requests asking for that title, we get a handful of DMs like every couple of months from people who have finally read the book after Sam's like 80th suggestion. (laughs) And they said that it like changed Uh their life. And I'm one of those people that needs to read the book on like Sam's 120th suggestion. (laughs)
1: I think it would be helpful for you, but yeah, no, no, we can about talk this. about that. Off air. I've been
2: like trauma, trauma, <laughs> trauma, and Sam's like you could read the book. <laughs> 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 um, okay, so another one of my favorite blind dates, um, or you know, we like them all, but the things that have like intrinsically stuck with us or changed us, um, for me, a stepping stone would be uh, the that I just want to like shout out really quickly is. Um, Uh, learning about love languages and the book on love languages that I can't think of the actual title of right now, but like a step up from that and something that has really helped me with my understanding of people, including my partner is the book attached subtitle, the new science of adult attachment and how it can help you find love. Um, Now I just want to explicitly say that understanding my attachment style has been really intrinsic to unpacking and processing and healing some things about myself. I know attachment styles aren't for everybody or like, I know that attachment styles are contested, but like in my lived experience, I have found them incredibly helpful, incredibly um, empowering. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, They're not an end all be all by any means, but this book was really helpful again, like kind of like Sam said and helping me just understand and approach other people through the lens of remembering and, that we all have different tools. We all have different lived experiences. We all have different wounds that give up different motivations um, in interacting with one another. Um, and I, like, I wish I understood attachment styles when I was in my 20s, so that I wasn't quite that big of a hot mess. Like, I think it would have, like, <laughs> dampened, you know, like, put out a couple of my hot mess fires if I understood why I was so fucking insecure and so anxious and, and impossibly hungry for people's, um, affirmation, even if I didn't want them. Like I just felt so bottomless in my need for other people that it made me feel as though I had no sense of self for myself. Um, and Mm -hmm. definitely learning about attachment styles and the book attached really, really helped me with that.
1: That's great. And what I love about that book, like, for folks who might be afraid to read it because they're afraid that they're going to, like, get called out on their shit. Right. Is that it is not in any way judgmental of your attachment style. It is just, like, people experience relationships with other people in different ways. totally. And when you are anxious or you're avoidant or you're secure, here are some of the things that might come up for you. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just knowing it so that you can make decisions based on your knowledge and your self-awareness of the ways that those things are coming up for you, totally, um, which I really appreciate because I was afraid when I read it the first time I was like, Oh, is this just going to be like, Oh, anxiously attached and avoidantly attached people are bad, but that absolutely was not the message of the book, which is really great. Or like they have to change who they are. Fundamentally, it was yeah. literally just like, Nope, here are tools and here's what think situations to avoid and, um, was super helpful in that way. So yeah, I appreciate that.
2: That's a great point to bring up.
1: Um, the other book that we get lots of DMs about that is my blind date is Alan Carr's Easy Way to Stop Smoking. Oh my God, so many people have messaged book.
2: me about that, and I'm why like, why is there I a don't... flag? Yeah, I don't know. Patriotic to quit it's, smoking. Um,
1: it's great. There's lots of celebrity endorsements on the back. That's like Angelica Houston. What? Oh my God, I fucking Jason love her. Mraz. Can I you believe?
2: Started watching. <laughs> Talk about healing your trauma. I started watching The Witches, the original The Witches this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think I've ever actually finished the movie because I watched it when I was so little that I made my sisters turn it off when Angelica takes off her fucking face and turns into the witch and then oh That's my god. Scary. So it was still let me just tell you this. I didn't finish it. I didn't finish it as a 35 <laughs> year old. I was like,
0: nope. Too scary,
2: <laughs> and like I love scary movies, but I think it was the it's the power of childhood fear, you know. Like, I just mm, mm-hmm. I love Angelica Houston. Um, can't watch that movie. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> can't get this through this fucking topic without like one tangent.
1: <laughs> of course, um, this book is really dumb and stupid, and um, <laughs> you hated it. And a, it worked. It's a chore to read. Uh, and it worked 100%. It is, I don't know what about this book happens. I don't know if it's like hypnotism or something. <laughs> Witchcraft, um, literally. <laughs> but literally, it's just like, here's all the reasons why you smoke, and here's why all those reasons are dumb, and here's why not smoking is a much better idea. And it's just like,
0: it worked. Cool. Sam quite like, like, like the book and was
1: like, I was like, again, I don't, I have, I had no cravings afterwards. I, Literally, when my dad died, I started smoking again, but then I stopped. I yeah. read the book again, and then I stopped, and I have not so- smoked since then, and have absolutely no urge to. Yeah. Like, even when I'm drinking, yeah, and it's like, those are prime times, I'm just like, no, thank you. Like, yeah. even when I'm around people who are smoking, I'm just like, this is kind of gross. I wish that I wasn't around this. Like, yeah. it's wild. Not that smoking, not that you're no, a gross no, person no, you're if you're it. smoking. Yeah. It's just like the smell of of smoke. Um, It's wild. Like, I don't, every person yeah, don't that I have it. recommended this book to who has read it is like, I stopped. It's like, how? Like what? It's just wild. So check it out. See if it works for you. Um, Alan Carr's easy way to stop smoking.
0: It's a chore to read. Easy way though.
1: (laughs) It it is a chore, but it like literally will take you. I don't know. Like, four hours to read it is not yeah it's not like Shakespeare it's like literally just like here's why smoking's dumb and you're like I know I've heard this you're all like, before I but like it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no for sure
2: no I think people <laughs> should read it definitely um so I'm glad you did a non-relationship oriented one because my final one is yet again how much I love YNAB aka you need a budget okay this mm. Uh, it's a budgeting app platform thing. Um, and it goes by YNAB for short. Um, you can find them on Instagram. First of all, their Instagram content is a fucking plus. Second of all, less important than that, is um so it's a um budget, a budgeting, budgeting software that's like life changing. Um it and it really helps you get a grasp. It helps you. It's especially good for people who re- need to get out of debt. Um, but it's good for everybody in terms of like p- planning what to do with your money, how far your money can go, what you can spend your money on, things like that. And the, um, what's the style of budgeting? It's called like z- but budge- zero budgeting or zero sum budgeting or something like where you budget down to zero. It's that never worked for me. It never worked for me to be like, okay, I'm going to put, The envelope system never worked for me, Mm -hmm. putting X amount Mm -hmm. in different envelopes, right? Something about this software, it's just so smart. They update it all the time to make better, like to tweak it towards human behavior and better money management. And to tap it all off, I have huge and had huge amounts of money shame. Not only did I have debt, but I just had paralyzing Anxiety and shame when it came to money, and it made me not want to look at my bank account. It made me not want to deal with it. It made me feel like when I first got together with Willow, I felt so um, unworthy. <laughs> like my money shame made me feel like I was an unworthy partner. Um, and mm. YNAB does such a good job of addressing the emotional component of money and the shame component that comes with money. They don't, you know. Their goal is to empower us to 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 know our money intimately, to know what it can do for us, to make it work for us um, and to uh, it's like they don't want you to spend. You can save money and pay off debt, um, not by spending no money, you just have to spend it in an in a an aware um, conscious empowered way. Um, I don't know. I just fucking love YNAB. It definitely changed my life. I was able to pay off my debt as a um, as a wedding present to my wife before we got married in a way that I never thought I would be able to. Honestly, just because it changed the way I looked at my money, like it shifted the way I underst- that I understood how I could make my money work for me. I will say that it has. Um, It has, it was difficult to learn how to use. Like it's, it's, I don't want to say that it's not user friendly because it is, but it took me like a week or so of watching tutorials and, and like there's all these free resources on their website, free workshops, seminars, things like that. YouTube videos that you can watch that helps you comprehend how to utilize your budget to the best of, you know, to, to, to serve you. Right. Right. And it took me like, because I wasn't money minded and I wasn't used to budgeting and I wasn't used to planning my money out like that. And I wasn't used to the software really. I didn't get it right away, but then I swear to God, like after a week of fiddling with it, it like clicked, it clicked. Mm -hmm. And as soon as it clicked, Mm -hmm. I got it. As soon as it clicked, it was so easy, but it can be really overwhelming when you first uh, subscribe to it or open it. It's like $84 Mm -hmm. a month. No, excuse me. It's $84 a year. A one-time fee, one-time fee. <laughs> Ooh, that's a. <laughs>
1: um, that's a- and it's
2: so worth it to me. Um, also, I shouted out their fucking Instagram when we first started talking about this. But like, honestly, it's so funny and cute. I like wanna Kate. I wanna make uh, just breakups Instagram like wine apps Instagram. Um, <laughs> I just I love them. They have really great resources, and they really. They're also really transparent. Like their employees often do like Instagram videos about how like they fell off their budget and they like they they fucked up and they're trying to like rectify. And so they're really, I don't know, a fucking they changed my life. So I stand. WineApp. Did I say it right?
1: <laughs> yes, you did. I'm never gonna say it again.
2: <laughs> um so yeah, check it out. It's called You Need a Budget Y N A B. Great. You want to get into the letters? Letter, singular Let's letter?
0: Let's do it. <laughs> yep.
2: in the house.
1: Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just for free shipping on your order and three hundred and sixty-five day returns. That's Q U I N C E dot com slash just to get free shipping and three sixty-five day returns. quince.com dot slash just All right, this letter comes from who is writing oh. from the void.
2: Say anonymous or Spencer. Can you put a beep around that?
1: <laughs> there you go. Sure. Um, sorry. Hi, Sam and Sierra. First, I'd like to thank you for this podcast. Like many of our listeners, I don't think I can put into a single letter how much of an impact you made in my life and my relationships. Mm. Perhaps the most impactful thing is that this podcast normalized therapy for me, and I thank you both and all your listeners for choosing vulnerability and sharing your stories. While I've hemmed and hawed at writing to you for many years, started listening in 2019 in the midst of a situationship breakup. I found myself reluctant to share my voice and claim my story because I often found insights from your advice to others' letters to be applicable to my story. Mm, I love that. And I tend to piggyback from the advice that you give to them. However, one of the postletter discussions from the past main episode, episode 157, aging into the PBS Target audience, really <laughs> felt like you and Sam were speaking to me and I ended up craving more. The story that I related to most to was the letter about someone's partner being best friends with an ex. Sierra said that she can literally talk about this for hours. Really, she did say that. Ask <laughs> Spencer. So here's another opportunity to unpack this. My story is that I'm a 27-year-old woman who started dating a 27-year-old man about a a year and a half ago at the start of the pandemic. My partner has been nothing but kind, loving, and supportive, and he is a securely attached partner who responds to my anxiously attached needs. My very loving partner, however, is friends with his ex, who he dated for four years, but it's been about six years since they last dated. Mm. She lives halfway across the world, so there really is no threat there. Also, my partner and I talk about my anxiety all the time and he assures me that I'm the best partner he's had and there's no one else he would be with. Mm. And yet, I still find myself doing the work to retell the narratives I have in my head. I've listened to so many JBU episodes regarding this topic, got into journaling my intrusive thoughts, and even started to practice adding time to choose an action rather than acting on my initial mm. gut reaction. While I'm finding that I that I act on these negative thoughts less, I still find myself triggered by little things like TV shows and movies. My heart rate still goes up whenever he checks his phone around me.
0: Mm. My question for
1: you, Sierra, are, does it ever stop? Will I one day be able to put these anxious feelings out about my partner's access to rest, or is it constant work? What were the practices that you, and maybe Willow even, put into place to move forward to a place of healing? What are the boundaries you put in place that you feel comfortable sharing? And to Viper, a.k.a. Sam, I love you so much, <laughs> <laughs> if you had an anxiously attached partner, what would you say to them to ease their worries specifically about friendships with exes? When you said that you made sure that you were able to trust before entering a relationship, what work did you do to continue building trust with your partner? I guess it comes to it continues to baffle me how superior people like you and my partner can be so open to choosing mm. vulnerability and loving everyone around you while I feel like I have a glass-half-empty mindset— And I need to keep my guard up all the time to prepare for a time when the world will pull the rug from underneath me. I know that this mindset will not benefit me and that if my partner chooses to break trust, it's not on me. But how can I unlearn 27 years of my parents telling me that I always need to protect myself and to trust no one? Mm. I'm sure all of this will be unpacked by therapy, but I'm only on week one of that journey and (laughs) I'm anxious to learn more. Apologies if you two are tired about of talking about the same old topic all over again but would love to hear more from both of your growth experiences. Thank you all again for all of the work that you do and please know that your work has not made me has not only made me a better partner to my significant other but also a caregiver to my own self. Aww.
2: Wow. <laughs> I love that letter so much. Um, not just because I like deeply relate to it in on my lived experience um, and because mm-hmm. and not because you were so complimentary, but because I am just so deeply proud of you, Anonymous, and proud of the work our community does, proud to be a part of it, honored that you all like like us and want to do to have these (laughs) conversations with us. Um, I just, uh, that letter was a gift anonymous. So thank you so much for writing in. Um, I, so I was writing this note out. Um, I was writing out the words, um, right there on my messy (laughs) notes. What taught you, and I, Anonymous, that love was conditional. I was writing out those words, as you said, how do I do this after my parents have taught me for 20 plus years that I need to protect myself, right? Um uh-huh. And unfortunately, I'm going to echo your sentiments, Anonymous, that this is something that is going to be unpacked and better understood every week in therapy, every day of your life. You're going to you're going to inch towards a greater understanding of those childhood wounds, of those childhood um, yearnings and the things that we need to make us feel that we were taught by life to make us feel good. Right. Right. but hopefully, this conversation will bring you, like you said, just a little bit more insight. Um, I think that that is one of the core things I want to touch on, though, is understanding better—not even better understanding, but being able to speak to why and and where you were taught that love was conditional. Where were you taught that? How did it show up in your childhood? You know, for me, I had a something in my childhood taught me that I, if I, if I performed in a way, if I made my dad laugh, or if I made my dad proud, then he would be affectionate and affirmatory to me. Affirmatory? Sure. Um, affirming, Mm -hmm. right. Um, and my, um, my mother had a, had had struggled with sometimes emotionally pulling away or, or better yet, i um, not knowing what to say in emotional situations when I'm grasping, when I'm saying, I need you to say you love me, you know, um, <laughs> Sam is holding up the book <laughs> that he's trying to make me read. Um, you know, so I learned at a really young age that love was an exchange, right? That it wa- it wasn't an ever present thing. Of course, I knew my parents loved me, but there's something about the whatever wiring happened when I was a child that I learned that it was conditional and transactional. That I needed to do something mm-hmm. to earn that love, which is what led to me having an anxious attachment style, which led to me re- being afraid, even though my wife and I own a house together and I got married and and that she's never given me any reason to doubt those friendships that I re- referenced It still makes me, and yet I wrote down from your letter, and yet there are still times that I too get, I get nervous when I see her texting or something like that. When I think when those, when that old wiring comes back and tells me, you haven't done anything to earn this love, the love's going to go away because Mm -hmm. you don't deserve it. And something bad, like something that I don't necessarily connect to in terms of like, my origin story of my attachment style, but something I relate to that I like, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if I'll be able to articulate it is the, the fear that something's going to go like that. I need to protect myself that I need to know. I need to look at the text. There's like a fear and a mm. paranoia there that I'm not really sure. I'm not sure if I will be gracefully articulate about it yet. <laughs> um, sure. But that's all to say like, What's your what is the origin story of this fear? What is the origin story of this anxiousness that that makes you believe that even though your boyfriend is present, communicative, loving, affirming, that all of those things aren't to be trusted? I think that's the first thing. The last thing I'll say really quickly, because I know I've been talking for a while, when I finally realized that I had an anxious attachment style, it wasn't because I wanted to call my girlfriend a thousand times until she woke up and answered the phone. It was when I realized <laughs> I have this wonderful, giving, loving, generous partner who will affirm to me and reassure me all day, every day. And still, it wasn't enough. Like, it wasn't computing. <laughs> you know, I was like, ha, like, all of a sudden I was like, oh, it's not the untrustworthiness of my partner. It's me not trusting their love.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, okay, go ahead.
1: No, but I think that's like such a profound realization that I think that I also had to come to you as well of like, I can either spend my whole life not trusting people or yeah. I can trust people. Like, yeah. those are the two options that are available to me. It's like, Woof. I those that's it. Yeah. And so, like, I choose to trust people. I yeah. choose to take people, what they say to me, as truth. Like, and if they're lying to me, that's on them, right? Like, it will hurt for sure, and it will be a painful experience, but it doesn't say anything about me as a person because I chose to trust them. It doesn't, doesn't say that I was somehow foolish or stupid. It just meant that I was... Being trusting, I was leaning into this thing that I know to be a great quality is to trust people. And I also had to come to the realization too that like, I can't prevent the rug from being pulled out from under me. I just can't. Right, Life is gonna continue to do that to me. And so I can either spend all my time lying on the rug, clinging to it, knowing that it will get taken away from me at some point, but I'm just gonna cling as hard as possible or I can spend my time enjoying the fact that the rug is part of this room that I love that is full of all of these abundant, loving, trustworthy, wonderful things around me. And i that's what I had to, like, that's the, it paradoxically brings me comfort to know that everything is temporary and that everything can easily be taken away from me. Because it means that I can spend less time clinging to it as if I had any mod- modicum of control over it. Yeah. And more time just enjoying the fact that it's in my life. And for a lot of folks, that doesn't work, right? Like, I have literally told that to people and they're like, no. I don't I don't want to hear that my pet is going to die someday, <laughs> right? Like, which I am one of those people too, to be clear. Like, I don't want to hear that, like, this could all go away. But, like, there is something that is liberating about that yeah. in ways that of course are reflective of my privilege, because I know that like, no matter how bad shits get gets, I can find a place to land on my feet. But it also is just so nice to not have to worry about that stuff anymore and to not wear myself out trying to cling to things that are outside of my control and just instead be thankful that they're in my life and thankful that I have them in front of me.
2: Yeah. I think about what you asked anonymous about, like, does it get, easier or is it always work? Um, And when I think about my experience, it is humbling to admit that I still like the example you, you shared, like I get nervous when he's texting. I still on the days in which I am unbalanced or being or stressed or something's off, right. Or whatever. Or not even off, like just this is this is my core wound. So like, basically, mm-hmm. on days in which I am my most myself, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. when my partner is texting or something, and and they feel that fear comes right—that fear that all of this goodness, how could I possibly deserve this? There must be something wrong. Right, comes up. It is still work, and. I think that's a fallacy that I want to dispose of in the mental health community that like when you get to healing, when you like cross the finish line or the threshold into healed, that world is going to be an easier, better, different place. And and you're going to be a better, different version of yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't like that idea because it doesn't leave any space for nuance relapse the non-linear nature of healing in general of growth and understanding. Sure. Um, and again, when I was writing my notes, listening to the letter I wrote when I am not my best. And then I crossed it out because it's not about being your, it's not your best self. Isn't someone who doesn't have an anxious attachment style. Your best self mm. is someone with that anxious attachment style who shows up <laughs> to intimacy and vulnerability anyway. Right who gives yourself the grace of knowing that like, I am not a broken or unlovable thing because I am a bottomless pit of need. (laughs) Um, (laughs) More importantly, you know, like earlier I said, like when I'm more unbalanced, it's true when I'm more stressed or anxious or feeling needy or something, my anxious attachment style and my needs come out more and are more likely to come out in a way that I don't want. Right. Right but your best self is the person that's showing up right now. Anonymous, the best self is the someone who pauses, gives yourself that reaction and not a, or gives yourself the response and not a reaction. You pause, you, you question your motives. You give yourself those affirmations. Your best self is someone that's, that shows up to this work every day. I don't like the idea in, or the narrative that's talked about in, in self-help in which like there's this world in which we're broken and then we're going to get unbroken, like as though there's a destination we could get to because it puts so much blame and pressure on ourselves to be unbroken, to be healed and perfect, which is like literally not a possible human state to be in. Um, so my goal yep. is not to not have an anxious attachment style. My goal is to know the most about myself and to have the most tools and words and resources and understanding at my fingertips and compassion. Oh my God. And compassion for myself that I can, when I see my wife texting and my, and my fucking lizard brain says, you don't deserve any of this. She's texting someone else. I, Mm -hmm. I tell that lizard brain, like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Like I hate you. (laughs) Like get out of here. You know, I deserve this love. I trust my love. I trust myself. I'm worthy of all of this. Um, Mm -hmm. I started all of this by saying it's humbling to admit this because it's humbling to admit to your listeners that you still fucking struggle with this jealousy that you hate so much or this insecurity that you like don't I don't even relate to it. Like I don't even, Mm -hmm. I don't even believe in it. I don't believe for a second my wife would ever cheat on me. And I can say that to you confidently and consciously right now and in the moment. But then that lizard brain comes out later. Anyway, the point of this rant (laughs) is, is because anonymous, I'm not sure if the work ever goes away, we get better at it. Um, We get more adept at it, but We're never going to be perfect. We're never going to be healed. And I don't mean that pessimistically. I mean that like gloriously that this Mm -hmm. perfection that we're striving for, like we don't have to be that anymore, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about like more tactics, I guess, like more, more, I don't know, steps, but it sounds like you're doing everything that I'm doing, which is, Maybe the best thing mm-hmm. I can say is like, yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, I'm doing those things too, still to this day. Um, for sure.
1: Yeah, I think the most important thing to remember is that it's okay to get reassurance from your partner, right? Like it is not, it doesn't make you a bad sure. person for you to ask for what you need from your partner, Um And again, as you do those things, you'll both become more practiced in them and they will become easier for you to, to recognize immediately. Um, and so you can talk, I love that your partner wants to talk to you about this. I love that, that they are, you know, in conversation with you about this. And so talk about what you're feeling insecure about and say, here's what I need from you. Or, you know, I'm feeling when I get these ways, I am obviously working on it in my own way. And I you know just need to hold your hand sometimes or whatever it is to help remind you that they love you that they want to be with you and that they are a trustworthy person um it's okay to have an anxious attachment style and with the as a person with an anxious attachment style it's okay to ask your partner for reassurance like that is not that is what relationships are that is that is what it fundamentally is at the core of that book attached um is that we're all humans in relationship and we all need things from those relationships so it's okay to need more than your partner right. does. It's okay to need less than your partner does. We just come into relationships with different understandings of 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 what we need from them. So it's okay to ask your partner. It's also okay for you to want to get that validation from yourself. Those are all fine things to be thinking about, um, but it's okay to have this conversation with them and ask for what you need.
2: Yeah. I. One thing that I, I have been trying to do that I thought of, that you could add to this list is something that's hard for like a codependent anxiously attachment person (laughs) is that I've Mm -hmm. been, I've been practicing um, what I guess I would just call like moving on. Like if I'm in the kitchen making some food and, and Willow's there and she's texting and it makes me anxious for whatever reason, I move on. I, I, I remove myself from the trigger and that might sound strange. Mm. Like, Sam, Sam and that book have for sure affirmed that I can always say, Hey, who are you texting? What are you doing? Can you affirm, you know, like I do do that, but, but I'm trying to flex those muscles or like strengthen those muscles within me right now where I don't always need to ask because like I said before, I trust my wife wholeheartedly. It's my lizard brain that doesn't. So I'm trying to like trick that lizard into the fucking chilling out. You know what I mean? (laughs) So, uh.
1: Well, and remember that your lizard brain is there to protect you. Yeah. That's why it's having these responses, because it wants to keep you safe. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's well, not lizard.
0: It's not an <laughs> evil thing.
1: It's not like a horrible thing about you. It's literally just the way yeah. that your brain is like, I need to I need to protect this person. Yeah. yeah. And you can say to it, I see you and I appreciate that you're trying to protect me, but I don't need <clears> that protection <throat> right now. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna choose a different thing, but thank you.
2: Yeah. for me, on that note, for me too, it's not just about protection. I think it's about my identity as a loved person versus an unloved person. I think my core fear in life is to be unloved. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think my lizard brain is like, you need to do something to get them to love you. And I'm going to be like, no, no, Mm -hmm. lizard. I am loved wholly by myself and others. Mm,
0: You
2: know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, for sure. But anyway, back to the the moving on thing that I've been trying to do is like when I feel that little anxiety come up or that lizard trying to protect me, um, I either ask my spouse for comfort or affirmation or try to like move to something else where I can engage with them in a different way. Like whether they're texting, I'll be like, can you text later so we can have this face-to-face time or whatever or moving on, which I would be like, If I'm feeling insecure, I would then go on to the next thing that I'm doing because, again, that is me combating the idea that I need someone else to complete me or make me worthy. So Mm -hmm. it's not. this sounds so silly and it's kind of humiliating to admit it, but, like, if I'm feeling triggered by some fucking nothing action by my wife, a lot of times I'll, like, go to the different room and start reading or, like, play on my phone or start a television show or fold laundry or something because my codependent anxious ass like feels like I need to be together all the time (laughs) and that I can't, I can't leave a relationship or like do something independently because then they'll figure out that I'm unlovable or whatever psychotic thing that my brain does. (laughs) Ah, This episode Mm -hmm. is just turning into Sierra admits, how broken she is. Um, but we all are, that's the, (laughs)
1: that's right. That's right.
2: Um, but so like I do those things to remind myself that like, I am also like, essentially what I'm trying to say to my, my anxious subconscious is, uh, you could, you're okay. You can go and fold laundry or watch TV by yourself because you don't need to be with Willow to earn her love. You already have it you you're you're in a secure relationship, like, so I don't know how effective that is, but just that's just me transparently telling you what I've been trying to work on is just moving on, not not giving it the time of day or or processing it mm-hmm. in my my brain, but but moving physically away from the trigger. you know what I mean? Um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I want to echo what Sam said though, because it was really life changing for me to stay. To explain to Willow what anxious attachment styles were, and so because she she always says, "Well, if you just ask me, I mean, I would not, you know." She she's so affirming, but um, the stubborn person in me wants to do it myself.
0: <laughs> I like that.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, anonymous. I I know I was all over the place, but I obviously deeply, deeply resonated and appreciated your letter. Um. Wait. Let me ask you, Sam, though. Directly to Anonymous's question about you, how you would deal with that or how you've dealt with that in the past.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say that the way that I deal with it is just to remind my partner that I'm there for them and yeah. that they can ask me for if they're feeling insecure or if something's coming up um, to ask me what what's going on or like to to tell me that they're in that type of state so that I can say um, I love you. Of course I love you. Like I hear what you're saying and also just want to like say that that's not true or like that this is that I'm here for you and that I'm not going to, I'm not going to die anytime soon or I'm not going to leave you or like whatever it is to, and really asking for that level of communication because, you know, as a partner, I also want to be supportive of my loved one who's going through things and I want to be able to reassure them. um, And I want them to be able to trust me in that too. Right. So I have for sure been with folks who may be asking that too often and are like not believing the words that I'm coming out of my mouth. But also as a partner, it's my job to to demonstrate trustworthiness, yeah. too. Right. There's no sort of like villains or or uh, heroes in the story um, or victims. It's sort of like we're just people trying to figure out how to be in relationship with each other. So um Continue to ask for what you need and continue to to show up for your partner as much as possible. And, and trust when they tell you that they love you and that they want to be with you. Trust that and know that if that's a lie and you're still trusting them, that doesn't mean that you're stupid or a bad person or it just means that you extended trust to someone and yeah. they were not appropriate with that trust. They, yeah. they were the, the bad guy in that situation.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's so true. People are so fucking complicated complicated <laughs> like we're fools so to think that it's like just about meeting somebody that you like Ooh, it's just like so mm-hmm. much more timing circumstances attachment styles love language <laughs> parental trauma you know like
0: <laughs> For just <sure>. kidding
2: <laughs> <laughs> um okay well anonymous Thank you so much for writing, for giving us the opportunity to answer this, uh, very real, very vulnerable letter. Uh, we love you so much.
1: We do. Thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon. We
2: hope this helps. All right, friends, just reiterating one more time. Um, we've got a lot of cool changes, not changes, nothing's changing about the show. Um, but a lot of cool content coming forward. Um, And we've been working really hard to, I don't know, keep, just break up new and fresh for you uh, because we love making this show. We love that it's free for you to listen to, but it's not free for us to make. So we love you extra hard if and when you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. Um, it, It directly contributes to our success and sustainability and also just like, makes us feel really supported um, and encouraged to like,
1: which as Sierra has told everyone is really important for her. So.
2: Yeah. I'm super anxiously <laughs> attached. So glad that you like us. Um, <laughs> um, so thank you so much from the bottom of our bitter, unprofessional hearts uh, for being here. Um, and if you're not a patron, you can check it out the tears and the rewards at patreon.com slash just pod, including like the whole backlog of a billion episodes at this point, a billion,
1: mm-hmm. a billion. That's yeah. exactly the right number. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> um, if you're not already following us on Instagram, go and follow us because of the new content coming out, or you can find us on TikTok. Haven't posted anything yet. Don't know how to use it, but it's going to happen. Twitter. Great. Follow us on Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Um, lots of exciting things coming in the just breakup world. And remember, you are holy and undeniably lovable. Right now, as you are, not when you look a certain way, not when you make a certain amount of money or fix your problems, not when you become that different, more perfect version of yourself. Right now, in this very moment, As you are inherently flawed and unhealed and staggeringly beautiful, you are worthy even as you grow. And if all else fails,
1: just break up.